we pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Other people respond in works. Other people respond in total rejection. Don't even believe God. But there are a lot of people who believe that God exists. That God has power, that He could heal, He could set free. But they are trying to earn God's favor instead of just receiving it as a gift. You have access, you gain access, admission to the grace of God which is unmerited, unearned undeserved favor and it's even more than that it's everything that God is and has and can do available to you on an unearned, undeserved unmerited basis you gain access to all of that grace through faith not through works not through having to feel like you're worthy the moment you put yourself into this mix and say oh God I know you can do these things but I'm not worthy and I've got to do this and oh God I'm going to make a deal with you I'll be holy from now on I'll do this and then will you respond to me the moment you approach God like that you disqualify yourself because you at your very best are not worthy to receive from God. You just have to humble yourself and gain access, admission into God's grace through faith. Boy, this is powerful. I know that God is speaking to people all over the world right now. That you love God, you've been seeking God. You desire to receive something from God, healing. Prosperity, joy, peace, your marriage. Whatever, you are asking God to do things, but you are trying to be worthy. Of God moving in your life. Instead of gaining access to everything that he is and everything that he has and can do through faith. And you need to quit trusting in yourself and instead start trusting in God. One of the ways that you can tell whether you're really trusting in yourself or in God is are you condemned? Do you feel unworthy? Are you saying, oh God, I know that you can do this, but I'm so unworthy? You're condemned. You are trusting in yourself. But when you get to where you're resting in God, Satan can come and condemn you. It's like the scripture where Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way. 
Dawano chilinge chawa ndikuwa yesu wa yagambi nanti oino kutabagana noyo gosobe zanga mchali kukubo. And you know when the devil comes to me and says oh yeah God exists oh yeah God can do miracles. Umanyinze sitani wajinaga hmm katonda wali rasu volo kulebi ama gero. But what makes you think what makes you think he will ever use you? Nechi chikuletiro kuloza mbo katonda rasu volo kukulisagwe. If I start saying now wait a minute I'm doing better I'm studying more I'm newe ntandi kukugama nanti ah soko lindeko kukulaba mze mkola bulunji elanze nsoma nyo I'm seeking God more than I ever have. Nze nonya mukama anokusinga wena linchi koze. If I do that I'm trusting in myself. But when the devil condemns me, if I respond by saying, you know, you're right. I don't deserve it. I am not worthy of God using me. So, you know what? I think I'll just receive it as a gift. Amen. I just will receive it through what Jesus did. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that I receive it. Now see, that is trusting in God. And our, our trust in ourselves is actually a hindrance that hinders us from coming into right standing with God. You know, I have had thousands of people come up to me and ask a question along these lines, something like, I don't understand why God hadn't healed me. Or hasn't moved in my life. Because I pray. I fast. I study the word. I go to church. I pay my tithes. I do this, this, and this. And they say, why hadn't God healed me? You just told me because, see, you didn't point to what Jesus did for you. But you pointed to what you have been doing for him and your thought is that I earned this. I've deserved it. I've done all of these things. Now why doesn't God respond? True faith is not something you do to move God. God doesn't respond to you. True faith is you responding to what Jesus has already done. And just humbling yourself and receiving it as a gift. Man, what I've just said right there is powerful. This is powerful. The average Christian does not understand. If, if this seems like it just went over your head, like, well, that didn't impact me. I don't understand what you're saying. You need to get these truths in the book of Romans. You don't understand the true gospel and how it's by grace through faith then I can guarantee you you are going to wind up actually stopping God moving in your life because of your trust in yourself because your faith looking to yourself instead of looking to a savior 
kubanga okukiriza ko kuba kwa kwetunulire chochori mu kifocho okuteeka okukiriza ko mwecho Kristo kyali. Boy those are big statements. Ebyonno banange byamanyi byenjoke dawo. And then he goes on to say in verse 3 and he says not only so but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. These passages of Scripture along with James chapter 1 verses 2 through 5. These verses have been misinterpreted to say that if you need patience, then God is going to put problems in your life. Because all of your problems are what makes you perfect. And all of these things. That is not what the Word of God teaches. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works that says that the word of God is what makes you perfect. It's what makes you complete. Not your trials and tribulations. And yet as a whole, the body of Christ has embraced this thing that my problems are what makes me mature. You can't mature without all of these problems. Well, if that was true, well, then the people who've been tribulated the most, the people who've had the most problems ought to be the most holy. And that certainly is not true. These verses are just saying, the first two verses of Romans chapter 5 are talking about we are justified, we have peace. Because of faith, we now have access into the grace of God. And everything is, and we are rejoicing. And he's saying, but we don't only rejoice good to in good times. We rejoice in bad times. Because we know that when we have tribulations and stuff, that's just an opportunity for our faith to work. And when our faith works, we are going to overcome and we're going to be better off because of it. You know, I use this example a lot that like when I was drafted and uh, sent to Vietnam, they taught us in basic how to fight and how to defend ourselves, how to fire a weapon, how to throw hand grenades, how to do all these kind of things. But did you know that when you first got to Vietnam, a person who only had this 
training, this book knowledge. Omuntu yina yalinga alina okusomesewa obama geza agebitabo. And it was only an eight week course really that they trained you. Ngatendo munange techatu alanga banga deno kusomesa kubachatu alanga week munana. In eight weeks you don't become a proficient soldier. Ochirabanti week munana tusubula kufuka musirikali mukugu. And when you first got to Vietnam you were dangerous. Na yorabanti buwatuka anga event na munga wakatuka walinga wabulabe. Because you thought you knew everything but you had never put it to practice. And uh, I could give you a number of examples of this that man when, when we were in Vietnam and we saw a person that had just come into country you kind of gave them a wide berth. Because they had all of this knowledge they thought they knew what was going on. But they had never been in a firefight. And I guarantee you uh, those people were dangerous. One example I was pulling bunker guard one night. And we were all sitting around eating our sea rations. And I remember I was sitting on this big old rock. It was about four or five feet high. And I was sitting on this rock. Pulling bunker guard, eating my sea rations and I was talking to the other guys around and we had a new guy in country and he was just so excited like man this is amazing we can just fire our rifle anytime we want to you can fire it all you want to throw a hand grenade. He says, you can throw a hand grenade. You can shoot a 79 grenade launch. You can do all kinds of things anytime you want to. And he was just beside himself. So he says, can I throw a hand grenade? We said, sure. So anyway, this guy he did the classic mistake on a hand grenade. He, he, the pen got stuck and he was struggling with this. And then <laughs> he finally pulled that, that pen and that hand grenade fell out of his hand and rolled right down between my feet. And man, I went, I threw my sea rations up in the air. I went over backwards and behind this rock. And I was hunkered there waiting on this explosion and the thing never exploded. And when I was in basic, they trained us with the pineapple hand grenade. It didn't have a safety, but... In the meantime, they had put in these new baseball hand grenades that did have a safety. I wasn't aware of these kind of hand grenades. And anyway, after it didn't go off, we finally got up and looked. And it had a safety on it, so we took the safety off and threw it. But anyway, that was an example, say, of people that don't know what they're doing and stuff, and they're they're dangerous. Well, in a similar way, it's one thing for you to listen to me and to get it and 
saying, man, I've got it. You got a revelation of the word, but life is going to come against you. Satan is going to resist you and fight against you. And when you stand and use what you've heard me or somebody else teach you and you stand and use your faith you will come out the other side if you don't quit, if you stand and resist. You will come out the other side. A stronger, better Christian because of it. But for you to think that that problem was designed to make you stronger is wrong. That would be like me running up to the enemy and saying, I know I'm going to be a better soldier because you come against me. And so you run out to embrace the enemy. If you embrace the enemy, he's going to kill you. You are going to be better on the other side. Likewise, if you embrace problems thinking that God has sent this to make you a better person, it's going to kill you. It's not going to help you. But if you do resist, if you do fight the devil, if you fight through sickness and fight through unforgiveness and fight through all of these things, on the other side, you'll be stronger because of it. That's all these verses are saying. And then in verse 5, it says that the Hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Man, that is a powerful verse right here, that the Holy Spirit is what releases the love of God in your life. I could spend a week or two ministering on this. Every one of these verses are just life-changing for me. They've changed my life. But I, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. That's not all areas to it, but it includes speaking in tongues. Man, I received a baptism of love. I fell in love with God. I fell in love with people. I, it changed my life. And I'm telling you, there are people watching this program that you have heard somebody preach about heaven and hell. Jesus forgiving your sins. You have received salvation. You're born again. But you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you are cut off from the true love of God. Flowing through you. That's not to say that you can't recognize the love of God to anybody. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit specifically is to glorify Jesus. 
Yobu wele zabuomo yomutu kufuchebu kolela dala kwe kugurumi za Yesu. To show us his love. Okutula guo kwa agara kwe. And to release the love of God in our life. Nukutusumuliro kwa agara kwa katonda mbura mwa fe. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I got baptized in love. Nzewe naju zibuomo yomutu kufu na wati zibuomu kwa agara. And I've never gotten over it. Kati hatecho sichivangamu. You know, it's now been 50 years. Kati jijine miaka jaka yita atanu. Since I received this and I am just still in love with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is revealing His love to me and if you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit it's separate from being born again. It doesn't have to be separated by months or years. It could be separated by two minutes. You know, in uh, the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, Cornelius and his household received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues at the same time they receive salvation. It doesn't have to be separated by a large period of time. But it is a separate experience. And in my case, I was born again when I was eight, but I was 18 when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know other people that have been born again for long periods of time and then they they receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, he says, don't go anywhere, don't tell anybody about the resurrection. Man, think about that. That's the greatest news that has ever come across the world. And they had the best news in the world. And he says, don't tell anybody. Don't go anywhere. Until you receive power from on high. And then on the day of Pentecost, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and they became different people. So much so that the scribes and Pharisees says, we've taken knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it changed them from weak, fearful people who denied the Lord and rejected Him to people who were just on fire and stood boldly, no fear. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the second most important experience you will ever have with God. The first is being born again. The second is receiving this power of the Holy Spirit. And as this verse says, the love of God will be shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto you. In verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Did you know the only people that Jesus died for are ungodly people? If you don't recognize your ungodliness, if you are somehow or another promoting yourself and into self-righteousness, 
Thinking that somehow or another God owes you something because you are such a good person. Nga obera unoroza anti mungeri emu obenda la katonda omubanja kubanga olimutu omurunji. Well then Jesus didn't die for you. He only died for the ungodly. Gwechitegeza Yesu to yakufirira kubanga yafirira ababacha cha katonda. And this is the purpose of the law is to bring you to that place. Where you get out of self-righteousness, comparing yourselves with other people and thinking that somehow or another you are worthy. For God to flow through you. The the law brings you to this place of, oh God, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. That's the purpose of the Old Testament law. And once you come to Jesus, and you receive salvation and you're now made a new person, the Old Testament law isn't for you. It's for the people that don't know the Lord to bring them to the end of themselves. So that they can be born again. In verse 7 it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And again, this goes back to verse 6 that he died for the ungodly. Unless you recognize that you are a sinner. Unless you come to that place to where you can't save yourself and you throw yourself on God for salvation, you cannot receive salvation. And this is what, you know, all of the other religions of the world, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but this is a great truth right here. Every other religion in the world has some concept of God and some concept that we are less than what God intended us to be. And that there is coming a day of judgment, reckoning. But basically, every other religion in the world puts the burden of salvation on your shoulders. You have to appease this angry God by your life. For the Muslims, you got to do jihad. You got to kill the infidels. You got to do this, and that will guarantee you a place in heaven. With all of these virgins. For other people, you you know, you got to shave your head and put on a saffron robe. And beg and deny yourself. And as you deny yourself, if you somehow or another make yourself worthy and you get accepted. And every other religion puts the burden of salvation upon you. But true Christianity differs from every other religion in the world in the sense that it is the 
only religion that has a savior. You don't have to save yourself. You don't have to be worthy. Jesus came and took your sin and my sin into his own body on the tree. He suffered for us. He died and he offers right standing with God to you and me as a gift. And all you got to do is believe and receive. We are the only religion, if you want to use that word. I don't like to call Christianity a religion. Because to me, religion is man's attempt towards God. Christianity is God coming and doing for us what religion, man's efforts could never do. But if you want to use that terminology, Christianity is the only religion that has the concept of a savior. Every other religion, you have to save yourself by your good works. But this is saying that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And this is what this is saying, that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Did you know the church that I was raised in, this is one of the scriptures. We had what we call the Roman road. And we use Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23. Romans 5.8, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And that was called the Roman road that we would use to lead people in salvation and we would take this verse 8 out of context and say God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. And we would use that verse. And that's absolutely true. Everything I've said is absolutely true. But this verse is just a stepping stone to the next verse. That's the point that's being made. It's making a contrast. So let's read it in context. Verse 8 says, But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's true. But here's the point. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10 combines these two thoughts into one verse. It says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
tuata baganyizibwa ne katonda olukufa ku mwana we kakano bututa baganyizidwa tulirokoka olwobula mubwe so what this is saying is katwano chageza ko gamba chirinti that if god loved us so much unti katonda wabanga yatwagala nnyo that he died for us while we were yet sinners we were ungodly natufiranga tuchalina bono nyinga tutya katonda ezekiel chapter 16 gives a word picture of how the lord found us and he says we were like a child that was born on the day of our birth then our umbilical cord wasn't cut we were wallowing in our own blood and we were in the dirt and we were caked with dirt it's describing that that's the way that God found us he didn't find us this beautiful person that had been all cleaned up been dressed just perfectly and stuff. He saw us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. And the point is that if he commended his love toward us, while we were yet sinners, then much more now that we accept this salvation much more does he love us now and I tell you these verses have just revolutionized my life we're getting into some of the scriptures here that totally changed me hopefully today I'll get on down into some of these verses but I can remember the exact day the exact place that I was when God gave me revelation into these verses and it's been probably uh, 46 or 47 years ago when I got a revelation of these verses and, and I've never gotten over it. They've changed my life. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. And the real point is he's not trying to get to that point that Jesus died for the ungodly. Although that's a powerful point and that's a great truth. The real point is the next verse. Where it says, Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He's using this as a stepping stone, saying, If God loved us so much. That he died for us while we were yet sinners, then how much more? does he love us now that we've accepted him as our savior and yet the church as a whole believes how much less does he love us now I've actually heard people compare it to that you know what you may be merciful to your neighbor's children you may let them get by with things 
But boy, when it's your children, you're going to be strict. You'll whoop them. You will, you will discipline them. You will do something. Nengate abana bugwe. Ebintu byoganya abane iba. Nengate ababugwe. Tobibaganya atengirobe na mukambo jivali. And I've actually heard people teach that God is stricter on us as believers. Then he is on an unbeliever. These verses are saying just the opposite. If God loved you enough that he commended his love towards you and that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. How much more does he love you now? And yet there are people that you came to the Lord and you had been living in sin. You knew you didn't deserve a thing. Somebody shared with you that God loved you. You received salvation and you were just, you were overwhelmed. With God's love, that God would love you even after you've committed adultery. You've been a drunk, after you've been a doper, after you've done all of these mean things. And you just were like on a honeymoon. With God, because man, the grass was greener, the sky was bluer. Everything was awesome. When you first got born again. And then you go to church. And you start hearing something about if you aren't tithing, God won't bless you. Well, you weren't tithing when you got born again. Yet you receive this and you receive the love of God, but now you go to church and find out, oops, I got a tithe. They're God won't bless me. God doesn't love me. And then you got to find out you got to start reading your Bible an hour a day. And then you find out that you got to start treating your wife this way. And before you know it, it's like, oh God, I thought God was pleased with me. Well, that was before you got born again. He extended everything to you, but now that you're saved, you've got to start working and doing this. And there's a lot of people that they have a brief honeymoon period. Until they find out all of the things they've got to start doing now to appease God and to please God. And I'm telling you, that's wrong. That's wrong. That is not the way that God meant for it to be. You know, think about it this way. Many of you had not been fasting and praying and going to church and paying your tithes and living holy before you got born again. And 
Some of you might have come straight from committing adultery. You might have been drunk. You might have been smoking, drinking, doing all of these things. And yet you receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive, which is forgiveness of sin. And so all of these terrible things that you had done, none of that could overcome what Jesus did. You just receive salvation as a gift. But the average church will teach that now that you're a Christian, man, you better be holy if you've got if you had a fight with your wife on the way to church that's the reason that God won't heal you it's because you got strife in your life you got unforgiveness and on and on goes now think about this it didn't stop you from getting saved. Matter of fact, if you truly understood the gospel and if a person came forward in one of my meetings and they said, Well, I know I need to be saved. I'm an adulterer. And I, I deserve to go to hell. Could God forgive me? I would say, there and tell them, no, that won't stop you from being saved. You you can receive forgiveness. You just respond, humble yourself and receive salvation. And you can get born again even though you were living in sin the night before. But now that you're saved, come to church and just have an argument with your wife. On the way to church. And that's liable to keep you from being healed. That's liable to keep you from receiving because, man, you aren't perfect. You hadn't done something right. Can you see that that's a double standard? It's not what this is saying. This is saying if God loved us so much that while we were a sinner, He died for us, how much more does He love us now? Tukirizanti owele duwa nyo mkisa okuita mkusomese wakuno. Wabango ya gara tusabeko na awe, oboli na echibu uzocho na, oboli nobu julizi kwecho katonda chako zo kuita kuprogramu eno. Tukubile ko kunamba za simu zino wa manga. 0 bili 0 0 satu satu 0 0 0 0 Ngambie, eri 0 bili 0 0 satu satu 0 0 0 0 Oba, 0 musamvu musamvu munana Atano mutano, nkaga mutano Nsamvu. Ngambie, zero musamvu musamvu munana, atano mutano, nkaga mutano, nsamvu. Kuro kwa gala kwa katondo kutaliko komojoli, tuogiru mkisa kwa katonda, tuogire nkula akulana, ila tuogiru kwenye zewa, mulinyari ya mkama fe yesu, uwele duanyo mkisa.